Good morning. <clears throat> First, I would like to give honor to God for being here on this day. And uh, thank all who have come. And especially, I give thanks to the Dean of the Chapel for making the arrangement for this to happen today. Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be. Beloved, <clears throat> in unlovely chaos, a creative contradiction. Let us pray. God, be merciful unto us and bless us. Cause your face to shine upon us that your way may be made known upon the earth, your saving health to all generations. Send the power. Send the power. Pour out your spirit upon your servant and your people that your word may be declared and heard truly for Christ's sake. Amen. What are the consequences of knowing yourself as beloved and believing that everyone else is beloved just like you? Then set that reality over against the one of knowing that you are beloved and seeing those who around you treat it like they are not beloved. Even more, <clears throat> to see them abused, treated like they are despised, objects, tools for the convenience of others. What we knew about being beloved was set alongside what we saw and it produced great contradiction and tension 50 years ago right here on this campus. Those of us coming from our own discreet privileges were forced to acknowledge what they were. It blew my mind to find out that the men on this campus, the West Campus, receive maid service. That is, a woman, a person, a human being, would come behind us and pick up our pajamas and anything else we left. When we came back, all was set in place. Now, uh, from the house in which I grew up and the home from which I came, I was my own maid service. <laughs> The privilege I enjoyed was that I knew what it meant to be the apple of my mother's eye, the apple of my father's eye, the darling of my community, my school, my church. So great dissonance was precipitated on the inside from the natal knowledge of what it meant to be beloved and then to be treated as unloved unwelcome, uh, even worse, to see people like the ones I cherished, 
and who I had come to love and who had cherished me, treated like they were object of someone else's desire. Housekeepers called by their first names, people whom we love receiving pay below minimum wage, knowing the school patronized institutions that still practice racial segregation, going to classes where your experience was disregarded totally, while knowing from your own experiences of life the deep treasure troves within scholarship that was not recognized as part of the canon of learning. Hearing reports of the annihilation and dismemberment of bodies in other parts of the world by your nation, having friends and schoolmates being drafted and shipped to fields of combat, killing people they did not know for reasons they did not know and the people being killed did not know. Hearing songs being sung like, greetings, this is Uncle Sam. I'm going to take you to a far off land. I need you. And so it is that uh, the time came <clears throat> where the meaning and experience of being beloved clashed with behaviors and performances that bespoke everything but love. We could keep our eyes fixed on the train that was coming. The train the impression sang about, they said you don't need no baggage. Just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesels humming. Peter, Paul, and Mary said if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the morning, I'd hammer in the evening, I'd hammer all day long, I'd hammer out love between my brothers and my sisters. But they went on to say, I do have a hammer, I do have a bell, and I have a song to sing. It's the hammer of justice, it's the bell of freedom, it's a song about a love between my brothers and my sisters. Uh, we use the hammers to drive in pegs that erected tents in front of this chapel. And we lived there for a few days. In our own way, we hammered out justice for our space and our place in time. When we look back over 50 years that have compressed like an accordion, not only can we see what it meant to know that everyone around us was beloved as we were beloved, we can see in retrospect what we could not see then and what we cannot see if we project 50 years into the future. Yea, it could not appear in that moment what we would become. To the person, to the person, no doubt, we can, can confess that we never have been turned loose by the love we had for ourselves and for others in that day. 
But we can see how that same love has unfolded in lives that have been directed along a course of uplift and service. By the grace of God, it's not over yet, I hope. I hope I have a few more days. I said that to someone not so long ago, and they said, oh, but you might live 20 more years. I said, no, but when you get this, oh, 20 years doesn't seem like long. <laughs> That's just a few more days. But um, uh, the grace of God and the Lord willing, we can see how our lives shall unfold in ways that are permanently marked and permanently stamped by what we did 50 years ago. Yea, we know without a doubt that our lives would be bereft without the very contradictions of the moment in which we knew what it meant to be beloved while looking upon those who were treated like they were not beloved. Oh, that many others might experience such a pregnant, life-giving, future-focusing, creative contradiction that is knowing oneself and others as beloved while seeing an arrangement of life which belies that truth. My focus this morning is upon the epistle lesson mainly because of the way it compels us to measure our love by concrete actions, but also because of the way language is supplied to tether us to our task for today. For this writer, Love is material. Love is bound with matter and what really matters. He argues that the love of God is embodied and marked by compassion that cannot be withheld. He opposes strongly those who would say that Jesus did not come in the flesh, which leads him to the further argument that we cannot love with words only, but our love must be with deeds. He is bold to say that we cannot love God and at the same time hate a sister or a brother. He's bold to say that if we attempt such a contradiction, we are liars. The authorized version and the revised version use the term beloved as a primary mark of identity. What a comfort it is to know that you are loved by God, that you are beloved. Thank you, Martin, for inserting that language into our lexicon, for talking about what community ought to look like the community for which we ought to be striving. Thanks to all who keep this language alive today. Thanks to Joyce and Nelson Johnson for never letting us forget that in all we do, our efforts should be striving for a beloved community. That movements toward the beloved community are the ones that should draw us and elicit our energies. Never is there to be a disconnect 
between our identity as beloved, the language we use to profess love, and the way we treat the brother and the sister. But further, language of love and being beloved is interstitched with the image of compassion by this writer. Use the term that is connected with powerful inner emotions of the body that control us rather than us controlling them. May I say it? It gets a little earthy, gets a little earthy, but he makes it real. Ah, we listened to a singer in those days called Les McCann. He said, when you're trying to make it real, you've got to be sure of what you're comparing it to. You're trying to make it real, but compare to what? The epistle writer compares the depth and power of love to the actions of the bowel and the womb. It is action that forces out, that brings forth what must be pushed in a moment of crisis and in a manner that is crucial to life itself. Some translations tend to exchange the more earthy word, but what he's talking about is the work of expelling what must be brought forth upon pain of death. In other words, he's talking about a love you cannot withhold even if you try. What the world needs now is love of the sort that cannot be turned on and off. What the world needs now is love that cannot be reduced to mere words. What the world needs now is love that presses from the inside to force action. Beloved, now are we the children of God. Not in a more convenient moment, not on another day, not when or because it is in vogue, but now. How shall I say it? How shall I say it? We're overtaken by an eternal moment, an eternal now. I, I want to hold together what it means to be beloved and what it means to be the children of God now. A present moment, as Benjamin Mays would say, with eternity wrapped up in it. What does it mean to fully, fully inhabit now? Yes, there is history that has brought us to every now. There is a future that flows out from every now. Now was April 1968, accented by the events of our day and time. The shadow of World War II and the Korean conflict hovered close over our heads and in our memories. The Cold War could turn hot and nuclear at any moment. The Vietnam War was a daily and death sentencing reality. The murder of heroes was all around us. Indeed, we were conflicted in the matter of who should be heroes. Liberation struggles were being waged all over the globe, 
as the end of Western European colonialism came to a close and Soviet expansion rose. Some who now receive consensus vilification were looked up to for the way they defended their people against powers that trampled them into the ground in the name of freedom and democracy. Martin Luther King Jr., whose memory is now sanitized, hello, sanitized in a way that separates him from other militant freedom fighters, spoke with trumpet sound and clarity against the evils of racism, exploitation, grinding poverty, militarism that dehumanized many and etched away the moral fiber of us all. He was hailed by some for the strategic way in which he articulated his version of love and his insightful opposition to initiating violence. He well understood the violence inside the systems of oppression. But he was accused by some of inciting the very violence he exposed and received. It was as if we joined in the celebration of his beautification when his classmate Samuel Du Bois Cook returned from his memorial service to address us as we sat attentively in front of our tents. That was a moment truly exalted. However, on the periphery of the campus and all around the country, we saw in graphic relief the descent into which we all could plunge if the oracles flowing from the lips of this prophet of peace could be hushed and the torrents of evil and oppression could be turned loose without a seawall of resistance and restraint. We sat as those who knew we were beloved, conflicted from within by the unlovely chaos that punctuated our days. We did what we could in the now of 1968 with scarcely a clue as to how we were being molded in those moments of existential angst, creative conflict and surging currents of conscience that punctuated our days at the very crossroads of our lives. Ah, this uh, was difficult. Living in the tension, living in the pressure of being beloved by those who had nurtured us and taught us while being disoriented by the lies that we were constantly hearing. The feeble explanations that were given to facilitate our adjustment. Brilliant parents, pastors, teachers, stuttered to make sense of the horizons that were clashing. The noxious ideologies that thrust us into the chaos 
swirling around us, ever pressing its way into our present reality. The conflict was that we saw a future that could be wherein everybody is beloved, wherein everyone is beloved, just as we were beloved. Scarcely, scarcely could we do better for finding words to express the dilemma than those given in the psalm for today. Answer me when I call, O God, defender of my cause. You set me free when I'm hard-pressed. Have mercy on me. Hear my prayer. Many are saying, oh, that we might see better times. Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. There was no way that we could look down the corridor of time 50 years further to see how those days would mark the university or the path our lives would take. I dare say that for the whole lot of us, we will never be quite the same. Scarcely could we see the speed at which time was passing. Indeed, one can only see the speed of time when it's already gone. But also scarcely could we see how, we'll be, how we were being carried into a current that propels the story of God's justice, God's mercy, God's liberty and faith, the weighty matters, if you will. I would call this the course that is cut by the Spirit of God. And who cannot bring us <clears throat> into that place but our God? He brings us there. He takes hold of the unlovely chaos causing contradiction between what we know of ourselves. We see the chaos when it is created as history plotted by those who see power and domination as vindication of their ordained right. I'm talking here about a vector, I'm talking about a current that's inside of a river that cuts a pathway that you can only see from above, that you can only see from a map, that you can only see in retrospect. It's different from a highway where you can plot the highway so that it joins up with the points and the cities that you want to connect. What I'm talking about is a current that's like what we find inside a river. It cuts its own path. Thank God for the current that cut its way into our lives. We could not see clearly the protesting tradition at Duke into which we stepped. All we could see was now. Now are we beloved. Now are we the children of God. We were stepping into a stream that was flowing to carve out a riverbed inside Duke's history. I know the official history and how it talks about the vision of Kilgo, his successors. I know how it talks about ideas and world-class faculty. But there is more to it than that. There's also a path cut by the current of the Spirit bringing us into the fuller reality that is our lot. Now, I'm not saying that this is, this is the only way to talk about the vigil. 
or about the university. There were those who talked about the visual in quite a different way, as if we were all upstarts, as if we didn't know what we were doing, as if we had no voice or no words that were worthy of speaking. But from the other side, if one only ascribes this tradition that is forged by those who act out of the creative conflict, if one ascribes that only to serendipity or to accident, it makes no sense. At least to me, it's not sufficient to account for those times. I must talk about the Spirit of God cutting a path that we could not chart. So in retrospect, we can give thanks for the way in which those challenging, turbulent, tempestuous, energy-filled times brought forth from us what we were to become. It did not appear in the moments where we sat under tents to rap and to read, to sing, to consider, to consider the life we would choose. We were young. Like the fifth dimension said, we were young. Those were the days, my friend. We thought they'd never end. We'd sing and dance forever in a day. We were idealistic, some would say. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that we did not have all of the cautions on us that we have today? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? If we had been so cautious as we are 50 years ago, by the time we finished weighing consequences, we would have done nothing. But alas, alas, I say, <clears throat> keep loving like those who are around you are beloved, just like you are beloved. Strengthen the good works your hands have found to do. Keep living and longing for the ways and the days when all know, when all persons know what it means to be beloved. When creative contradictions tap into the positive energies of the spirit. We are sustained to stay on a course that finally we cannot chart or choose. There was a song we used to sing in the church that birthed me. Zori Neal Hurston would call it the sanctified church. It's a simple song. It's a powerful song. When something like this I believe I'll run on to see what the end is going to be. A slave mother before her said even in an earlier day, hold on just a little while longer. Fight on. Pray on. Martin King said, walk together, children. Don't get weary. There is a contradiction between being unloved in chaos and being beloved when you know that the chaos is unlovely. 
contradiction can be creative and invigorating for a lifetime. Amen? Amen. Amen.